This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yo, I got the juice today. It's Friday. It's Ryan with Let's Go. They were Sheeran. Ryan, Sheeran is out. But guess what? I got the one and only Sharjah still joining me. TGIF. You know, every Friday, Shar joins us regardless of not if Sheeran is here. I know that's right. <laughs> and Ryan, I know you're going to get so annoyed when I say this, but I am still gagging that it is the end of the month. I am annoyed that you just... <laughs> I just can't believe that we're about to be six months into 2022. Yeah. Doesn't it just seem like we were just celebrating my birthday? It, honestly, it does. I don't even... I feel like I don't even really remember the first few months of this year. It went by uh, so quick. Oh, no, I remember. <laughs> they went by quick, but I remember. Oh, I certainly remember. <laughs> Not you remember. Okay, well, of course you remember. You have like an encyclopedia for a brain. <sighs> It's well, a gift and a curse, my friend. Happy Friday. I am feeling wonderful. Today has been a beautiful day. I mean, besides the the May gloom or the May gray is what they say. It's gray May. Gray May. And June gloom. And June gloom. But we still having a vibe here on Let's Go There. And we have a beautiful show lined up for you today. The midterms are here. And, uh, you know, civic groups are calling on Facebook and other social media platforms to get ahead of misinformation. Are they too late? Well, we're talking about it. And then, of course, Rose. Roe v. Wade isn't the only thing the Supreme Court could change. They could actually be drastically expanding the right to carry guns. The Washington Post is joining this hour. So stick around. Shara. Ryan. I am, uh, you know, here's the thing. I'm finally, I feel like I'm finally settled. You actually came to my new apartment. I did. I am finally settled. You all, it is beautiful. Ryan's apartment, his new building has a speakeasy in it. (laughs) I was gagging like a secret door and everything. But I'm like, here's the thing that I've been getting used to, and I kind of talked to you a little bit about this, is how high tech it is. Yeah. Like, what if everything, like, power just shuts down on the entire street? Well, I have friends that live in a luxury apartment building that's high tech and that's happened before and they can get back in well they were in their apartment yeah. but they couldn't with, leave with everything as a fob it's so if the power's out you can't get in it's the scariest no thing key. it's the scariest thing and then also I'm super lazy like half the time I don't be wanting to take my keys out of my pocket to like scan it at the door oh my gosh I just realized everything's a fob what if the power goes out here at Odyssey how do we leave well, we gotta stuck. scan our cards yeah. to get out honestly this would be the safest place I would want to be if like anything ever happened oh if it went down yeah cause there's a, the snacks are upstairs yeah that at least lasts us for a few months months no no, baby, that's that ain't lasting 24 hours with everybody in this building. That ain't lasting. That ain't lasting 24 hours. Oh my God! Let me get into some what's um, coming up. Well, we have the top of the hour news right now. So, uh, 
Um, Out Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg said that the baby formula uh, formula shortage is actually very personal because he and his husband Chastin Buttigieg have two nine-month-year-old babies. He was actually on CBS uh, Face the Nation this weekend, and here is what he had to say. Yeah, this is very personal for us. We got two nine-month-old children's baby formula is a very big part of our lives, and like millions of Americans, we've been rooting around stores checking online, getting in touch with relatives in other places where they don't have the same shortages to see what they can send over. And we figured it out. We're all set, at least for now. But I think about what that would be like if you're a shift worker with two jobs, maybe you don't have a car. You literally don't have the time or the money to be going from store to store. That's why this is such a serious issue. And that's why it's getting attention at the highest levels, including, of course, direct involvement by the president. Well, and Wow, I mean, I'm glad he's touching on this because right? so many people what what but what people aren't factoring into this conversation why they're loud and wrong on social media <laughs> like just whip it out and feed them. There are, you know, same-sex couples, there are people who cannot produce breast milk yeah. in order, but there are people who have children and yeah. people who have infants. It's hard. It's right now particularly for parents, it's so hard. Um, let's move on to some good news. A uh, representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New That's York. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. Yes, yes, Miss uh, AOC because she's been booed up. She is engaged to her longtime partner, Riley Roberts. Yep, it is true. She told Insider of an unconfirmed tweet that she and Roberts were engaged. She added in a message to Insider that they got engaged in Puerto Rico last month and were talking, um, taking some space and savor their engagement before beginning the wedding planning process. Now, now hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because you said partner. Partner is, uh, yeah, and, but the cis heads have like, you know. Well, no, because I know Riley is a unisex name. Riley's so, a man. Okay, just want to make, listen, you don't know. No, One of my true. friends and I were talking about who's going to go up against these right-wing extremists and Pelosi and all the girls shut down the squad. <laughs> they shut down the squad. So now we're we're like weak as the Democrats. Yeah, yeah it's unfortunate. But I wanted to start, you know, the news and some uh, good stuff with the good news. I for AOC. I have not heard her name in a month of Sundays. Honestly, I'm kind of okay with it. Yeah, let's move <laughs> on to the T-Report. What's going on in the entertainment world? Well, Ryan, I don't know if this news is going to surprise you or not, but Variety Magazine uh-huh. is exclusively reporting All right. that Pete with the meat Davidson <laughs> will not be Can returning. You grow up for what? <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to objectify that man. Kim, I'm sorry. Uh, And Pete, I'm sorry. But Variety is exclusively reporting that Pete Davidson will not be returning to Saturday Night Live for the next season. What? Yeah. You know, I was wondering if he was getting coming to that place in his career because, you know, he is he's elevated. And I was wondering if he was going to be sticking beside SNL too much longer. Well, I got to say, NBC declined to make a comment. The producers at SNL declined to make a comment. So I think that Variety just kind of scooped this story. And like I said, this should probably come as a surprise to no one because people branch off. Eddie Murphy is a product of SNL. You know, the the Bridesmaids girl, Molly Shannon. Like, everybody's a product of SNL and then they they shoot off like a rocket. And you know how normally these these exclusives work? It's like someone from the team actually says it so they can prepare ahead of Uh time. You know, get ahead of it. Get Uh it out there. Uh And I know, uh, what's his name? Lauren Michaels. I know he probably Lauren. Lauren. I I know he's pissed that this news is coming out. I mean, yeah, because at this point, I mean, they got A.D. Bryant left and and what's the... Well, I do love uh, Punky. I like, the Asian I like Punky. Guy. What's his name? The Asian guy? Uh, Bowen Yang. Yeah, I like him. Bowen's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that wow. is the T-Report for this hour. You all want to cool. stick around because coming up next hour, 
we got a teaser for a new talk show that's already been greenlit for, you know, fall 2022. And it's it's kind of interesting. I want to know if you're excited about it and you all listening. Yeah. Let me know if you're excited. That's coming up next hour. You'll see what I'm talking about. Stick around. All right. Well, let's get this show on the road, honey. I think it's time to get started because, like I said earlier, the midterms are here. And yes, we are all worried, and including um, civil, civic groups are calling on Facebook and other social media platforms to get ahead of the misinformation. But it seems like they may be too late. We're talking about that up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, as the midterms fastly approach, honestly, they're already here. The social media misinformation has already begun, and civic groups are calling for more to be done, especially on the one and only Facebook. Joining us to break down everything is staff writer at The Washington Post, Naomi Nix. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Okay, so Naomi, it it really is shocking, not really, um, that Facebook is already so behind on this when they should know around any election time they should be on top of this. What are you hearing? So, look, um, typically each cycle, Facebook will start talking about the new measures it might be taking to fight misinformation on its platform ahead of the election. Um, you know, but what civic groups are saying is, look, you know, the cycle has already begun. Misinformation, um, you know, about election rigging and voter fraud is already on the platform. We'd like you to kind of update us on your policies now. Um, and, you know, we fear that if you don't take even more measures to combat these issues, that you know, we might see a repeat of January 6th. Yeah, you know, every time these conversations bubble up, especially as it pertains to Meta, a.k.a. Facebook, a.k.a. Zuckerberg, (laughs) I Mm -hmm. just, I cringe at media literacy of the public. In what ways can people, I guess, be smarter this go-round when it comes to the election cycle and possible misinformation that Facebook may be pumping to folks? Yeah, I mean, look, if you something on Facebook and um, it's, you know, being posted by a source you've never heard of, you know, you should go and you should search um, for other credible news sources to see if, um, you know, other mainstream outlets are reporting the same thing. Um, The other thing, you know, I think is really critical um, is, you know, this year, Uh, people are going to be voting in newly drawn lines because we just went through redistricting. Um, And so be sure, you know, people should be sure to check um, where they're supposed to vote, when they're supposed to vote, and who they're supposed to be voting for, you know, which race against official sources, um, like your local government, as opposed to things you see on Facebook. Because one thing people are nervous about is, that people will use redistricting, bad actors will use redistricting to confuse people about where they're supposed to be voting and when they're supposed to be voting. And so people should be very diligent to check that 
against, you know, the official government website. Yeah, and it does feel like, though, especially around midterms, it doesn't feel like there's as much uh, excitement from voters right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder, is that because everyone is just kind of, one, they're COVID fatigued. They are also just not interested in everything going on politically. They're Maybe they're politically fatigued. Is that a worry that either party has to worry about right now, especially on top of everything, trying to navigate misinformation about the big lie. Yeah, well, look, anytime um, there's an election and there's not a presidential race that usually results in lower turnout um, because, you know, a presidential race will generate excitement for candidates down the ballot. Um, And so that means, you know, in elections where there's less information about um, local candidates, um, it it can mean that people are more likely to be confused. And so that's why it's really important that people, um, you know, go to your local newspaper, right? Read your local newspaper, read up on what local newspapers are saying about your race and your community. And you shouldn't rely solely on information you're seeing posted on Facebook or Twitter or Reddit, um, and and just be sure to check them against other sources, credible sources of information. Um, there's so much going on with with, of course, rallying people, incentivizing people to really pay attention and participate in these elections because we all know that they have consequences. Hello, 2016. Um, in what ways are advocacy groups, you know, either contributing or taking away from this upcoming election cycle with midterms? Yeah, especially calling on Facebook to to do better. Yeah, so there's specific things um, the advocacy groups, you know, are doing. One thing I think we should expect um, to see is is more of them are going to be monitoring, including the campaigns, monitoring disinformation online and calling attention to it when they see it. Um, Just because that disinformation can have, you know, real-world impact, you know, as we saw on January 6th when, when, you know, people, thousands of posts flooded Facebook about, you know, the myth of election rigging Mm -hmm. and that, claims that Joe Biden stole the election and that in part contributed to the storming of the Capitol. Yeah. Um, and so you can see advocacy groups respond to that. They're going to monitor that kind of content online. Um, they're also sort of calling on, on tech platforms. It's not just Facebook um, to take bolder actions, whether that it means um, to add staffing to monitor potential misinformation or um, to make changes in their product that de-emphasize certain kinds of contact, yeah. content. And so, you know, it's those sorts of things that we'll probably be hearing more about as the cycle continues. Well, I hope to have you back on to break even further everything we're going to be seeing over this, you know, election cycle. Thank you so much for joining us. That was staff writer at The Washington Post, Naomi Nix. Thank you. Okay, so coming up next, how the Supreme Court could soon drastically expand the right to carry guns. We have political reporter Amber Phillips joining us up next. Don't go anywhere. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. 
Well, if you are uh, pro the right to carry, the conservative majority of the Supreme Court is potentially thinking about taking down one of the nation's oldest and most restrictive gun control laws this summer. Well, joining us to break this down further is political reporter from the Washington Post, Amber Phillips. What's up, Amber? Thanks for being here. Hey, Ryan. Hey, y'all. Thanks for having me on. So let's talk about this New York case that is bringing all of this up. Sure. So like you said, it's one of the oldest uh, restrictive laws on the books about what you can carry. It was started and passed in 1911 when there was a lot of crime in New York, New York City. And what it says is uh, if you want to carry a gun, you have to ask the state for a license in public. Uh, If you want to carry a gun in public, you ask the state for a license and you can't just say I'm nervous about my public safety. You have to have a reason beyond the general public need of public safety to get one. So what happened was uh, two, you know, pro-gun guys applied for a license. They were allowed to carry it some places, but not all places. And they sued. And that case has gone to the Supreme Court. And like you said, conservative justices have seemed willing to take on this case. It's their first major gun case in more than a decade. And uh, experts I talked to on both sides think that the Supreme Court any day now could rule in a way that makes not just New York, but a bunch of liberal states um, have to strike down all or part of their laws about how restrictive they can be about carrying guns in public. We just we just keep moving further and further backwards. Like we do not. We need gun reform. <laughs> Sorry for yelling in your ear, Amber. Now, how could this unravel laws across the country? You kind of just talked about this with state to state, but what what would be the end result? Yeah, it's because New York, well, it's the oldest law and one of the most restrictive laws on the books about this. It's not the only state with similar laws. Um, And so states like mostly high density liberal states, California, Massachusetts, uh, New Jersey, Connecticut, I'm pretty sure Hawaii as well, actually have similar laws on the books. And so I talked to experts who said it's possible that the Supreme Court could just rule this New York law specifically is invalid, but what they would probably do is rule like laws that severely restrict public carry are unconstitutional, and that would knock down these laws in a bunch of states. And, you know, for an example of why um, gun control groups think that's a horrible idea, the New Jersey Solicitor General wrote about this case, and he said, listen, uh, a, a traffic jam on the turnpike can turn deadly if you start giving people guns. Uh, the New York City Mayor Eric Adams, a former police chief said we're i'm paraphrasing but we're freaking out about this um and the ability to let a lot more people carry guns now well i'll say one more thing though pro-gun people i talked to said this isn't going probably not going to cut down or knock down laws that require people to apply for licenses to carry guns in public uh so the state would still have some control but but it would be a lot less control than these high-density liberal states want. Yeah, and I guess you can't not think about all the mass shootings that have taken place recently, and I I wonder, right. where does this fall in the conversation? Would ending the right to carry possibly hurt or help this problem? Right. One of the oldest problems in the, in the gun, in the gun um, or one of the oldest debates, I would say, in the gun debate you just asked right there. But, yeah. you know, I will say oral arguments for this happened in November, um, there are always mass shootings, unfortunately, regularly, and certainly gun violence uh, across the country, not just in inner cities, is up. So is gun sales as well. Uh, but at the time, this wasn't like right around Buffalo. 
uh, or something equally as atrocious that really seeped into the national psyche. And so I don't know, and I don't know what the justices are thinking when they might pull out this decision, right? As you said, it, it, it comes at a time when we're all just really hurting from horrific mass shooting. Well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Thank you so much, Amber, for joining us. Amber Phillips is a political reporter at The Washington Post. And guess what? Amber always comes on the show and keeps us informed. If you want to be informed, check out Amber's The 5-Minute Fix newsletter. It's pretty iconic, if I say so myself. And that's just not because I'm biased, because I like Amber. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much, Amber, for being on the show today. No, I love y'all's show. You always have such smart questions. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Well, coming up next, you won't believe the amount of time that TV news networks reported about anti-trans violence in 2021. Find out coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. All right, we're back another hour, and we are here with Char Jassel. Of course, Shira Lazar is out, but she'll be back on Monday. Char is here on Friday. And I was just explaining to Ryan, I don't know if you all listening, if you all watch P-Valley down on the Stars Network. (laughs) But I'm not, everybody, you know, there's people on my timeline really excited and revving up, and I just don't have it in me. I mean, I'm going to watch, but... (sighs) They did. Lo- it made me lose some interest as well. Shout out to Uncle Clifford and Lil Murda. No, for sure. <laughs> well, coming up this hour, we have Char Says So, where if you haven't heard Kendrick Lamar's new song called Auntie Diaries, we're talking about the complicated feelings black trans and queer can people I, are feeling. Can I interject and say, Please. if you have not heard this song, listen to it and then come back for the discussion, because I'm trying to hear it's from you. It's literally happening after this. I'm trying to hear from you, uh, okay? All right, all right. And then, of course, uh, later this hour, we have all Frederick Joseph, one of the finest men ever. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but he is joining us to talk about his new book, Patriarchy Blues, Reflections on Manhood. Such great conversations. Stick around for that. Um, Let's get into headlines, though. Former New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, you know, the one everyone hated before Eric Adams came Uh in. um, He announced that he is running for uh, Congress. Yeah. Where is that? I do know how to do it from years of serving the people of this city. And so today I'm declaring my candidacy for Congress in the 10th Congressional District of New York. And I want to tell you what people need is exactly the kinds of things that I focused on before. They need money back in their pocket. We did that. We reduced income inequality. We helped people by getting pre-K and 3K for all their children, taking a huge expense off their plates. Uh, I'm very proud of having led this city out of the worst. And one thing New York's going to do, they're going to elect an awful leader, so maybe he has a chance. But people like de Blasio more than they like this new guy, right? Well, yeah, but that's like comparing like two awful things being like, Trump which to one's Bush. more awful? Trump to Bush. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah. Um, but when de Blasio was there as a mayor, people hated him. Yeah. Um, now, Elon Musk is, is some water, hot water at that. Uh, probably the first time he's ever touched water. No shade. Um, Elon Musk is denying a report that SpaceX, the uh, aerospace firm run by the billionaire, uh, settled a sexual misconduct claim made by a flight attendant. So SpaceX paid $250,000 to settle a claim in 2018 involving the attendant while she worked as part of the cabin crew for the cabin of the company's corporate jet fleet. Citing interviews and documents, insider reports, the flight attendant accused uh, Elon of exposing himself and rubbing her leg without consent. In a series of tweets, of course, Elon denied the details of the report, saying those wild accusations are utterly untrue. 
I have to say I believe her because I just kind of skimmed through this essay. Did you know his first wife wrote like an op-ed and essay? Mm. It was back in 2010. Mm. We know, we see you for who you are, Elon. There's Where there's smoke, there's fire. Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, and he also suggested the report uh, was published to derail his plans to buy Twitter after reaching a deal to acquire the social media platform for $44 billion. He said it was clear that their only goal was a hit price to interfere with the Twitter acquisition. He wrote, later clarifying that he meant hit piece I guess girl well that is your top of the hour headlines let's talk some tea report well this has to do with talk shows the countdown has officially began for the premiere of the Sherry show which is a new daytime talk show now if you all remember Detmar Mercury canceled the Wendy Williams show will be ending in June and I really hope that we get an appearance from Wendy do you think that what do you think the likelihood of that happening is Ryan I'm on Sherry's show? No, an appearance from Wendy before they closed the curtains officially on her show. Oh, I hope. Like, I, that's a highlight. I, I, My hopes are high for that. We at least need a highlight reel. Yeah, Oh, I least. mean, come on. Wendy gave us uh, 12 it's years. It's her show still. Well, anyway, Sherry gave us a little sneak peek already, and it's only May. Take a listen. Hi, it's Sherry, and I'm here at the first photo shoot for my new talk show. It is my lifelong dream to have my own show, and it's finally happening. I am so excited to welcome you to the official kickoff. This is my time. So I want you to join me for every step of this journey I'm taking you on behind the scenes. You guys are still following me? Hi. On the road, in the studio, rehearsals, interviews, and so much more. See it all come together. Follow Sherry Show TV on all your social media. You know what I'm most excited about? What? I'm most excited, like, when it comes to talk shows, I'm, I get so excited to see their sets. Because yeah. it's like it's a representation of Hers what is going to be want. like gold and white, probably. But really quickly, Sherry Shepard's show is a comedic take. It will be a comedic take on <laughs> pop culture and entertainment, celebrity interviews, and real people. Also, Sherry will be inheriting 80% of Wendy Williams' old production crew. So, oh, yeah, wow. so people people have jobs. But that's the T-Report for this hour. You want to stick around for next hour because guess what? Speaking of the how you do it, Lady Wendy Williams, I got some news on her and, and that damn financial discrepancy with the Wells Fargo. All right. Well, that was your T-Report. Um, well, up next we have our Char Says So. It's going to get spicy up in here, you all. We're about to turn up the heat. <laughs> Buckle up. Get ready. We're talking all things Kendrick Lamar and Auntie Diaries. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Welcome back to the show, only on Channel Q. It's time for Char Says So. And this week, we are discussing rapper, celebrity, some of y'all's hero and prophet. Oh, God. Kendrick Lamar. He just released his uh, latest album, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, last week. And there's a song titled Auntie Diaries on the album that's causing quite a bit of controversy. Now, before Ryan and I get into the discussion... I'm gonna throw to a clip. Take a listen. My favorite cousin said he's returning the favor and following my auntie with the same behavior. Demetrius is Marianne now. He's more confident to live his plan now. But the family in disbelief this time, convincing themselves he ain't living discreet, he's fine. They said they never seen it in him, but I seen it. The Barbie dolls played off reflection of Venus. He built the wall so tall you couldn't climb over. He didn't laugh as hard when the kids start joking. So in case you missed some of that, I guess uh, some of the hullabaloo around this song is that uh, the first two verses open up with Kendrick saying that his auntie is a man now. Mm -hmm. And then he finishes off the song with saying Demetrius is Marianne now. And the song really... That's not even it either. 
talks and, and he drops this six letter F slur. Yeah. The song is coming from a cishet black man's relationship, and I gotta be careful with my wording, but relationship to the trans people in his life. Yes. Which I Take really, it away, Ryan. Which is really all the um the album is really kind of uh, looking at spirituality, fam- family trauma, generational trauma, mm-hmm. the, the entire social construct. Yeah, it's really um, doing this storytelling as Kendrick Lamar really does. But then when he gets to Auntie Diaries, for me, when I first listened to the song, I had my eyebrows raised because I, I most definitely feel like it was a choice. In all the ways. And uh, our good friend and friend of the show, uh, Travell Anderson, on their podcast, Fanti, um, really said something that is so true. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to paraphrase it because I can't say it as perfectly as Travell can because icon. Um, but Travell was just saying that, you know, they're tired of cishet folks trying to lead a conversation about queer trans issues instead of like taking a seat back and allowing other people um, a part of the community or uh, around the community to like actually, you know, lead the conversations, right? And I think, and I, I think for me that comes up in this moment. I think it goes even beyond Oh, even beyond leading the conversation, it also goes with policing conversation. Yes. Um, I Okay, so here's where it gets tricky for me. And I said this earlier this morning, if you all joined me on Instagram Live, because the trans community, just like every other community, is not monolithic. We do not know Kendrick's relationship to these people in his life. Right. And I think of people like Caitlyn Jenner. I think of people like Flame Monroe, who identify or who are women, but they also have some leeway when it comes to their pronouns and things like that so we don't know you know and i think that's where it gets sticky because that's why i emphasized in my intro that this is his relationship to the the people that he is in fellowship with this is this story is not applicable to all trans people i said this morning really quickly that i am probably the most boring trans person you'll ever meet (laughs) no i'm i'm dead serious and what i mean when i say that is I am, my pronouns are she, her. Mm-hmm. I am a woman who likes men. Like, I don't have any yeah. any asterisks by me. Like, I'm yeah. boring. I'm What you see is what you get. It's, yeah. a, it's a flat rate, I guess, traditional, classic, you know, trans woman. Right. But I understand, you know, other people and complexities that they have in relationship to their identity. But even if Kendrick Lamar had the, the best of intentions, is that good enough to black and queer and trans folks? Is good intentions good enough? And mm. I'm just not sure it is, especially when you are creating, creating a song that is now allowing your cishet fans to gaslight the queer and trans folks who yeah. are validly upset yeah. by the usage of dead, man, dead naming, misgendering, and homophobic slurs. Uh-huh. They are upset about it. And you're now, they feel, the cishet community feels um, like they can speak up and say, actually, you shouldn't be upset about this because this is art. Don't talk about our art. This is art. You know, it's not just cis hats. I need gay men to stop speaking on behalf of trans oh, women. Yeah, that's another because thing. Because what we do as women, <laughs> if you know the if you know the clip, you know the clip. Sorry, I had to interject a joke there. But that is also something that I've seen bubbling up online. Also, this is such a nuanced and cultural conversation. I'll leave that at that yeah. uh, because this is a black man and his words will directly affect black people who are trans and black people who are are queer uh, but what, what are I your will... pros to this so here are my pros and i was about to get to that yeah 
Um, and I talked to you about this. We as queer and trans people have been screaming into the void for years now. We're having cyclical conversations every year. You and I both are booked to talk about the same stuff we have been talking about right, every year. Right. See my humanity. See me as a person. Da, da, da. But it oftentimes, even just like with white supremacy, it takes, unfortunately, someone who looks like these people yeah. to get through to them. So even though. The intentions might have been great and the fallout might not be as great. It definitely is getting a, or reopening a conversation amongst other cishet black men. Yeah. Because Kendrick also, we should mention in this song, emphasizes how he chose humanity over religion and how he chose to love his family. Yeah. And how even, you know, I hate that we always have to pin things up against race for some people to understand it. But it's like, if you don't if you won't don't let, want anyone saying the N-word, you shouldn't be saying the F-word. He makes a, a reference to that, mm -hmm. you know? And so there are pros in this. And I think that even if it's just as much as getting someone's attention, and like I said, he chose humanity over religion, maybe someone will love their trans family member and then yeah. actually invite them to, to Christmas dinner this year. See, we're going to keep this conversation going because for me, the... I, I get your point, but I also, if you don't really have the range, but you're 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 saying things, you're entering spaces, thinking and uh, you know that you have the range, and then now you have a whole group of people following you, thinking they have the range because they just listened to this one song, then it's kind of like there, it's it's ignorance can't lead ignorance. Yeah. And so for me. I just and did he figure run out this by anybody? Like. Yeah. Like, Kendrick, you need a focus group. Like, I'm not trying yeah. to po police your art, but we're already a marginalized, sensitive community, and you should have ran this by people. Or, like I told you earlier, Ryan, put a bar in there that say, like, this is for me and my family. This is our rules. <laughs> yes, because that sounds completely like a rhyme. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, slip, slip that asterisk in there so that people don't take yeah. your word as, as the gospel and then go poison the streets. And this conversation is even more nuanced because it does really speak to a cishet black man kind of contributing to these space and it actually brings us to our next guest, right? Yes, coming up, you all want to stick around. We're keeping this conversation going with New York Times best-selling author Frederick T. Joseph and his new book, Patriarchy Blues. Keep it right here. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Frederick Joseph is a New York Times best-selling author, Forbes under 30 list maker for marketing and advertising, philanthropist and activist. His latest book, Patriarchy Blues, Reflections on Manhood, is available everywhere. Please welcome to the show, Frederick T. Joseph. Oh, my God. Uh, and let me tell you, I'm such a fan of his, like, actually on Twitter. He's like the only straight guy I follow. I'm just going to put is that out. Really? Literally. I would never, ever do it. But he, for well, him. Well, straight. Yes, cis straight, for sure. Um, but welcome to the show. We're super happy to have you on. It's an honor to be here, quite frankly, a real honor. So I want to jump right into it because Ryan and I are coming off the heels of some of the complexities that came with Kendrick Lamar's latest album and one of the tracks on the album titled Auntie Diaries in which he talks about his proximity to the queer and trans people in his life. I have to know, mm -hmm. as someone who just wrote this book, and I, full disclosure, I only threw like part of chapter one and I cried last <laughs> night reading it. <laughs> but I'm going to get into that later. I have to know your thoughts on Auntie Diaries. Are you caught up to speed with all of the conversation that's going on? Have you listened to the song? What are your thoughts uh, about what everything that's going on with Kendrick right now? Yeah, so I've actually listened to the full album um, and Auntie Diaries a few times because I, not so much that I was trying to understand where I stood. I knew where I stood as soon as I heard certain parts of it. Um, 
but just trying to make sure that I have my own talking points ready for like helping people understand my issues with the song. Right. I, I, I think that a lot of times when certain communities and in this case, specifically the trans community and, and the broader uh, queer community have not gotten quite frankly, not even just respect, have not gotten sheer violence from, you know, the cishet community. It's applauded when anybody does anything that's like even trending um, towards positivity. However, you know, my take on it was like, why do you have to also cause harm within the song Mm -hmm. to try to be like a pseudo ally by making the song, if that makes sense with, you know, the slur that was used, um, and then, and then even more broadly, um, having even like Kodak on the album, but that that's a more extended conversation to the al- album more um, globally, I suppose. Yeah, and I think that's what's so interesting, right? We what we deem as art when it comes to certain individuals and artists, and are we really ready to have the conversations? Because it, it is very complicated. But I feel like you you talk a lot about um, the the relationships between the cis het community and queerness and transness in your book through the patriarchy blues. Talk to us why was it so important for you to write this book and and what you learned through this process about your own self. Yeah, I mean, to me, it was important to write the book because I know the journey that I started when I was in my early 20s of just like, like coming to terms with like the fact that I benefited from the oppression of other people, right? Like it's one thing, and I think this is the issue, um, quite frankly, with a lot of um, black men, um, in particular, black cishet men, um, is that because they are oppressed in white supremacy, they can never see themselves as the benefactor of somebody else's oppression or causing somebody's oppression, right? So when I was able to unpack that and start really, like, understanding the world around me and, you know, taking in, you know, the teachings of, of trans thought leaders, being in community um, as with organizers who are trans and so on and so forth, for me, I was just like, I, I have to talk about this, right? Like, if no one else is going to do it from my specific community, then, then I need to do it. Um, so that was important for me to just, into, you know, it's interwoven throughout the book. You know, my entire theory of change as a, as a person, as a, as a son, as a, as a husband, as a, as, a, as a brother, is that, like, the tide is black trans women, right? Mm-hmm. That's the tide. And if you can rise that tide, everything will be better for, for the rest of us. That, that's my absolute core theory of change as a human being. Yeah, I think that's what brought tears to my eyes when I first started reading this, because as a black woman who is trans, who engages platonically, you know, romantically and sexually with a lot of cishet black men, it was like, oh, my God, someone gets it. I have to know, as a cisgender heterosexual black man, how has your what has been the response from, you know, your brothers when it comes to to this book? Has your relationship changed with anyone or or what has been the feedback to patriarchy blues from other you cisgender know, heterosexual black men. It's interesting because I, I, <laughs> I think that the feedback ironically in, in my circles has been really good because the work isn't just the book. And I, and I said that also, you know, with the whole, you know, anti-racist book movement, the work is never just a book. So I've been talking to my community, you know, and living this every single day, right? Like we don't, I, for lack of a better term, I don't play that, right? Like, you're not going to be around me 
being transphobic, being homophobic, you know, um, practicing in, in like pretty overt misogynoir and things like that. So the reception to the book has been has been good. I think the reception to the book has been interesting more so with like white women, honestly, more than than the black men who have read it so far. Well, we're going to take a quick break right here because when we get back, I want to talk to you about Dave Chappelle and intersectionality, especially right around the corner from Pride, what we should all know. More with Frederick Joseph coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. What a wonderful conversation we all had last hour. It was so wonderful. And uh, Char says so just gets better and better every week. Listen, I promised the, the folks listening that it was going to get spicy up in here today. Yeah, it did get spicy, but like a good sensual spicy. Sensual, okay. I don't know. Happy Friday. I think I'm just projecting of how attracted I am with the... I, I'm attracted to a man with some sense. Look at look at what my mic's doing. Just tighten it on the sides. Okay, I was about to say, <laughs> this is what... Her mic was limp. I don't... I don't want a man to do. I don't never want a man to be in front of me doing that. <laughs> oh my God! Charge myself. It's filling in for Cher Lazar, who is out. Actually, I'm not filling in for Shira because I'm here oh, every that's Friday. Right. You're here every Friday. I said that last. Y'all gonna hour get too. y'all gonna get enough of uh of making me just the fill in girl. Okay, I'm here every Friday like Anna I Navarro. I enjoyed being the Anna Navarro. But Anna Navarro don't be filling in on Fridays. She's that, there. That's true. She that's her spot. She's she there. She gets added to like the little title cards. And she's my Capricorn sister. All right, well, coming up this hour, we're talking about love languages and what if you and your partner have different ones. Plus, now this is a spicy conversation. Who deserves the right to a gift registry? My God. Because, you know, as... um. I, I, since I moved in, into a new place, I was pl- I was actually planning on creating like a wish list yeah. and just sending it out. Now, listen, I know we're going to talk about this later, but some people uh, have, they are, they do not like when people with apartments have housewarmings. I don't care. I understand like your apartment. It's a house. Is, it's your home. So wh- who's making these rules? Well, we're going to talk about it up later in this hour, but let's get into top of the hour news. Vice President Kamala Harris advocates for switching uh, from diesel to electric school buses while speaking in Virginia. Here's what she had to say. If your child rides the bus half an hour to school and half an hour back every day from the first day of kindergarten to high school graduation, they will experience the equivalent of 90 full days of exposure to diesel exhaust. And these fumes do not just threaten the health of our children, they also threaten the future of our planet. Diesel exhaust is a greenhouse gas. Well, all right, I hope they get that settled. Um, But this, oh my God, let's talk about this really interesting story that I've been wanting to talk about all day. Okay. So a woman gave birth to a healthy baby in a lavatory on board of a a Frontier Airlines flight, according to a Facebook post from the airline. So the passenger went into early labor during the flight uh, from Denver to Orlando. Of course, they were going to Florida. Um, Flight attendant uh, Diana then helped her get to the lavatory and assisted in delivering the baby. Can you imagine some woman giving birth on the plane? But no. you sit next to her, and then your shoes just soaked because her water oh, done broke. Please, Ryan, that's really graphic. No, 
<laughs> no, I cannot imagine that. Well, according to the statement, the pilot um, basically diverted the plane uh, to another airport and then continued to Orlando after the mother and the baby were able to deplane with the assistance of medical personnel. Um, basically, they said the whole crew did a wonderful job. Um, and uh, yeah. I'm super excited. Though the baby's name and gender have not been shared publicly, Frontier did reveal that the newborn's middle name is Sky due to the unusual conditions oh, of its arrival. Oh, cute. I like that. I know, right? We never do fun stories like that. I like that. <laughs> By the way, I just airdropped you I something. Saying, what did you airdrop me? Well, I, it I, pertains I... to our last segment. Oh. that we Everything we've been talking about today. It's a tweet that I just saw, and I screenshotted and sent it to you. Oh, okay. I think I lost it, but I'm going to find it About how it people again. uphold certain things. Are we ready for the tea report yeah let's get into it let me switch up the music thank I'm get, you i'm gonna give you a little oh so you, you made it real <laughs> ethnic for me since we keep talking this talking to and about cishet black men we decided to, to make it umoja means one on channel q today but nevertheless wendy williams is not happy with the court appointing a financial guardian amid her lawsuit against wells fargo now an attorney this is a page six exclusive i should mention an attorney told page six in a statement earlier today that williams does not want anyone to have control over her money in response to the son's report about a judge's decision to appoint a guardian now wendy we we saw when she went live did you know wendy was 57 by the way I remember when she turned 50, which is so wild. I, I still remember when Oprah turned 50, in fairness, with John Travolta, my best friend Travolta. Just love saying his last name. That's how Oprah sounds. Nevertheless, this is so dirty, Ryan, because Bernie Young, Wendy Williams is accusing her former manager, Bernie Young, of using her American Express card to hire an attorney to file a peti- petition against her. <gasps> wow. Isn't that, Hollywood is a dirty game. Wow. Holly, could you imagine if your and manager... she's clearly, like, what does she need help with? She's clearly, so like, they're not dis- handling herself Well, fine. they're not disclosing, but I guess Wells Fargo, there were some flags raised because there were some suspicious, I don't know, purchases or transactions. And so, basically, it sounds like a, conser- a financial conservatorship yeah. over all of her tens of thousands of dollars. I how suspicious it is because remember when uh, Wendy, at the height of the pandemic, she was filming from her kitchen and she had weird little knickknacks and things yeah. that she buys. I'm like, like if they weren't flagging those things, like it's like a, a Betty Boop in the middle of her kitchen. <laughs> An then, elephant yeah. named Cynthia that she painted. <laughs> like, like, then what? Why are y'all flagging You know what? Now? I would not be opposed to if this was some highly orchestrated nonsense of people who took advantage of her during her lowest moments. Yeah. And, you know, got to filing. Because if her manager is willing to do this, and I know that she really liked this man it kind of makes me really sad for she her did. because she's been burned by so many men in her life in this industry. and she really trusted him you know this was her first manager since she fired and divorced kevin hunter wow. her husband so she liked bernie and if these accusations are true it's just also screwed up but now like i said wendy will have a a guardian over her finances but at least her money isn't locked up because she did tell fat joe two weeks ago that she only had two dollars to her name child oh wow yes really? yes two dollars to her name that is the tea report for this hour. You want to stick around because coming up next hour, find out which Mighty Morphin Power Ranger, yes, that's the season one, might be going to jail for 20 years. Oh, God. Like, I'm not joking. Two whole decades. <laughs> stick around. <laughs> All right. Well, coming up next, I have only one question. Do love languages really matter? Well, we have our um, kink-affirming sex and relationship therapist joining us up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. 
Oh my God, let's have a controversial conversation. Are you ready? Controversy. I live for it, darling. You know, there is such an interesting article written by this incredible um, uh, Washington Post contributor. Her name is Megan Berger, and she wrote an article that literally just simply says this. Who gets to have a gift registry? And honestly... Points were made just by that that question because I feel like everyone wants to have a gift registry on every last thing they do, and I just wanted to bring her on the show so we can unpack this and actually have a conversation. So joining us, like I said, is Megan Berger, who is a Washington Post contributor. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Megan, talk to us about the history, first off, about a gift registry. So it's interesting, you know, obviously they go back thousands and thousands of years, but in a contemporary context as to like what's relevant to us, um, they're primarily around weddings and babies. And, you know, typically back in, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, it was a way for, you know, big commercial department stores to get in on the wedding business and a way for couples to set up their new home because the assumption was that they weren't living together before they got married and started their new life. Mm. Oh, yeah, because you couldn't be shacking up back in the Puritan days. <laughs> Could not be shacking up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the assumption was, oh, they don't have towels. They don't have a blender because they don't live together. So let's help them start this new let me, chapter. Let me wow. tell you, I would have had to been living in sin. Okay? The way the patriarchy is just through everything. <laughs> so I have to know, like... Uh, you, you kind of talk to how society has dictated, you know, um, registry in the, within the history. How does society influence who gets to have a registry and who doesn't? I was just speaking to Ryan. He just moved into a new apartment. Some people find it so tacky for like, if exam- for example, if Ryan decided to have a housewarming and put his Amazon registry up. That's actually happening, Megan. And uh, she just used that as a real life Well, it's so funny because when you introed me, you said something that caught my attention, which is that you think everybody wants to have a registry. And I think that's so interesting because I never encounter that. Really? I I feel like I only encounter registries around marriage and babies. Really? See, okay, I do wonder if it's cultural. And my thing is, I wondered, are registries normally gendered? Like only a certain gender gets one? I mean, typically the guests or the gifts, you know, benefit the male or partner in the relationship because if you're getting showered for your baby that's going to benefit him too but they are very gendered in the sense that the person creating the registry usually is a woman because this is what she brings into the marriage this is what she brings into motherhood um and i feel like women who aren't taking that path feel less valued because their experiences whether it's earning a higher degree or getting a divorce which can be a really positive thing those experiences aren't seen as worth celebrating or supporting in a financial or gift-based way. Interesting. I just think because we're in the midst of, especially now more than ever, inflation, I just feel like no one has time or really wants to buy outlandish gifts mm-hmm. because everyone right. is just trying to afford their own livelihood. So how is that, you know, the economy kind of impacts with the way that we see registries now? Totally. I also think that gifts can be really wasteful. And Mm. I kind of went back and forth on this because, you know, in a way, registries solve that problem, right? You're not getting a bunch of things that you don't want because you've Mm -hmm. registered things you do want. So there's no risk of somebody giving you a bunch of crap that you have to then either throw out or figure out what you want to do with. But at the same time, I think a lot of uh, millennial couples 
dislike the idea of the registry in general because they just don't want a lot of clutter at all. They just really? they're just like either give us cash or don't give us anything yes. because we don't want to sort of like have to deal with the piles of stuff. I guess I'm somewhere in the middle with this because I mean I welcome the cash. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> There's always a light bill or a spectrum bill or something that's got to be paid. But also, I'm a fan. Okay, I got to say really quickly, there was a guy that once was trying to date me. He was weird from Vegas or whatever. But his his pickup line, he asked me my Amazon gift registry list. Really? I guess. What a man. But listen, I guess that this is not uncommon for people to have wish lists on on their Amazon. But I've never had a man ask me. Like, I don't have one that I just, just... gift to people to, you know, for them to buy me there's stuff. certain iterations I haven't seen it and it's, that's really personal it's really interesting and I don't want to take a left turn here but even through like uh, some forms of industry some industries have like different things like sex workers some people have like in, you know registries or wish lists mm, that they want and so I, I think it, we can see it in different iterations which yeah. is quite interesting Wow. Totally. I had no like idea that gift registry conversation could be so that interesting. That it gets so complicated. <laughs> Who cares? If someone sends you a link, I totally agree. Yeah. Someone sends you a link, you adhere to that because there's nothing worse than getting a gift that you don't yeah. want or that you don't need. Yeah, that's what I tell my mom. And it's such a waste of the other person's money as well. Again, really, yeah. really quickly, because I know we have to wrap. I just thought about something. <laughs> Because Barbara Walters was notorious for uh, shopping from her own closet, which I think is so tacky. But it was really? Bar- she would give people like gifts, and it would be embroidered like BW, like give you oh like a God. coat or a scarf or like. And so she would shop from her own closet. Well, that's kind of nice because I would just put that on eBay and get some money for whoever. I mean, <laughs> true. Well, thank you so much, Megan Berger. Before we, <laughs> we continue to have a you random guys. conversation, you were thank so you. wonderful. This was Thanks great. for joining us. I appreciate it. And if you want to check out more of Megan Berger's work, tell us uh, tell us where we can find you on the internet. Um, I'm on Twitter at Megan Berger. Awesome. Well, there you go. We have more show coming up next. Don't you go anywhere. I'm about to chat with Megan for a little bit. Bye. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Oh, my goodness. So not to bring back this, the Buffalo shooting that took place, because who really wants to go through that? Um, But there was an interesting story that came out of this that was... I, I kind of held it because I really wanted to talk to you about it. Uh-huh. So a 911 dispatcher has been placed on leave and may lose her job after allegedly hanging up on a supermarket employee hiding during this weekend's shooting um, a rampage in Buffalo, New York. So here is what the supermarket employee, this is what they said took place um, on the call. I tried to call 911 and I was whispering because... I could hear him close by, and when I whispered on the phone to 911, the, op- the dispatcher would start yelling at me, saying, why are you whispering? You don't have to whisper. And I'm trying to tell her, like, ma'am, he's in the store. He's shooting as an active shooter. I- I'm scared for my life. And she said something crazy to me, and then she hung up in my face. And I had to call my boyfriend to tell him to call 911. Like, what was that 911 dispatcher thinking? Uh, you watched 911, the actual TV show 911. Yes, shout out to Ryan Murphy. And I feel like that would just never happen. Um, No, it wouldn't. What I will say is I normally don't call for people to lose their jobs, but this person needs to be fired. Seriously, There's, immediately. What needs to be investigated or looked into? I don't see why this person's on leave. She needs to be fired because what I imagine, I don't know nothing about 911 dispatch training, yeah. but I imagine that this is covered in, in it when, if someone calls whisper 
whispering. There are tons of instances of kidnapping, of domestic disturbances. Yes, like there are tons what? of people who have called the police and whispered yeah. for help. And even still, you send dispatch out. I remember being down to the church. You know, we talk about church all the time. <laughs> Ryan and I are church kids. We are church. <laughs> and I remember, have you ever pranked call 911? No, I have. And they have still shown you, up. You hang got, up. Gotten so in trouble. So why yeah. not even send dispatch out? I, it'll be interesting to see how, how this plays out. This is terrifying. And I'm also seeing reports that this uh, woman had to call her boyfriend who then called 911. Yes. Which is so scary. It's like, I wonder, even then I wonder maybe this this person who picked up this this like this call were they like dealing with prank callers before this and that's what kind of irritated them but either even you know, either way. It gets sticky. Either because way. you know how we always talk about grace? Yeah. And 911 dispatchers are not robots. They are people. They are flawed human beings. But they're low-key supposed with, to be robots, so I'm sorry. With they got feelings, one job. With emotions. They got one job. With at-home, you know, lives. But you're, you're right. At the bare minimum, ma'am, just press the button and send dispatch out. Before we get out of this segment, I do want to acknowledge that uh, fa- the family of Celestine Cheney, who's one of the victims in the Buffalo shooting, uh, they learned of her death by watching the supermarket shooter Peyton Peyton Grendon's Twitch video. Oh, wow. Um, and this quote really tore me up last night. Uh, Celestine's sister was quoted by the ABC, the local affiliate, by saying, my sister survived breast cancer and three aneurysm surgeries only to go to the grocery store to get killed. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. It's, 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 it's a lot because yeah. these were our black elders, if you think about it. Like, there's only one person. I think she was Just 32. Just going to the grocery store on a random, regular day. And so day. many people, they were helping out in soup kitchens and coming from the church. Like, these, yeah. I'm still very jarred from this, so I'm glad that we're discussing this on air. But something needs to be done. And like I said, I normally don't call for people to get fired unless they down to the Trader Joe's being a Karen. That's it. But this is unacceptable. And their lives on the line. And I cannot believe that this dispatcher hung up on this yeah. person whispering in distress. There's literally nothing else Just to press say. the button and send out the cops. We'll be back. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yeah, I love that Sophie Tucker song. It is summer in New York. What a new bop. I think it's pretty new. I liked it. I haven't heard it, so it was new for me. Either way, it's Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. And I am Ryan, even though I may sound like my name would be Shira. You do. <laughs> you know, for, for everyone listening, when Ryan calls up our guests, they'll be like, Hi, Shira. <laughs> You don't have to tell or, that. Or when the, when I'm behind here, the scenes, when secrets. I'm here and I greet a guest, they're like, "Hey, Ryan." <laughs> they think Ryan's Shar and I'm Ryan because my voice is in the basement and Ryan's is in the in attic. the octaves. You know, and wow. I'm the woman. That's very true. I am not a woman, and um, I love my gender. Ryan, are you non-binary? <laughs> I am not. You know, a lot of people ask if I am femme identifying or if I'm non-binary. I, my pronouns are he, him, and I um, am very butch and mask. Wow. Well, let me ask you this. What is a woman? <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you haven't been watching those Senate Judiciary Committees. Oh, my God. She's so annoying. Let's shout just out ignore to, her. Shout out to Dr. Johnson. You're holding it down. Coming up this hour, we have the Supreme Court. Um, they are actually trying to um, basically take away one of the oldest 
and um, most strictest gun control laws. Basically, they're soon drastically trying to expand the right to carry guns everywhere. So we have the Washington Post joining us for that. And then we're going to um, have our Char Says So moment where we're talking all things Kendrick Lamar and his new um, album and song called Auntie Diary. So stick around for that. We have more coming up this hour. But right now, let's get into some headlines. Pete Buttigieg is talking about how he is really, um, he's actually, him and Chaston are, are really going through it with the baby formula shortage because, you know, they have two nine-month-year-olds. Here is what nine he what? Nine-month-year-olds? It's just nine-month-old. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's Friday! Yeah, this is very personal for us. we got two nine-month-old children's baby formula is a very big part of our lives. And like millions of Americans, we've been rooting around stores, checking online, getting in touch with relatives in other places where they don't have the same shortages to see what they can send over. And we figured it out. We're all set, at least for now. But I think about what that would be like if you're a shift worker with two jobs, maybe you don't have a car. You literally don't have the time or the money to be going from store to store. That's why this is such a serious issue, and that's why it's getting attention at the highest levels, including, of course, direct involvement by the president. Like well, I said, Pete Buttigieg and Chastin have two nine-month-year-olds. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you need some women in your life. <laughs> he was on CBS Face. Uh, CBS is Face the Nation this weekend, and that's what he had to say. Now, Elon Musk is in some hot water because he is now denying a report that SpaceX, the aerospace firm run by the billionaire... It settled a sexual misconduct claim made by a flight attendant. So I guess back in 2018, SpaceX paid $250,000 to settle a claim involving the attendant while she worked as a part of the uh, corporate jet fleet. Well, uh, citing interviews and documents, um, according to the flight attendant, uh, Musk exposed himself and rubbed her leg without consent. I'm disgusted. I mean, honestly, I... Ugh. I, I, I have a deep-seated dislike for this man. There ain't and nothing it ain't that I would want to see Ooh, that is please, below the for please, Elon Musk. Please, 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 Ryan. I just ate. Now, are we ready for the T-Report? <laughs> yeah, we might as well just go to that because I'm let's, done. let's hop into the T-Report. I yeah. want everyone listening. I need you to pull into the speaker and turn it up a little bit because I got some piping hot tea. Ooh, all right. The actor behind the Red Power Ranger, an iconic TV superhero of the 90s was charged with fraud on Thursday. Now, we know him as Austin St. John, but his real name is Jason Lawrence Geiger, Geiger, and he was one of 18 people charged in a federal indictment. Now, according to the indictment, St. John was allegedly part of a scheme to defraud lenders and small business administrations, paychecks, wow. prote- you know, the PPP loan. I see. Oh, yes. He Saint- did not age well, by the way. You know, he's at those conventions. Him and the Green Ranger are always at those like Comic-Con. Yeah, but Comic-Con. he ain't age well. I would not want to see him at no convention. Now, the program was designed like to help to. small businesses impacted as a result of COVID-19. You know, the PPP loan and yeah, the CARES Act. actual businesses. St. John's and others allegedly received at least 16 loans and acquired $3.5 million in the scheme. Wow, y'all were out here scamming the government. Go for it. Now, if convicted, he could spend up to 20 years in federal prison. He probably will. Now, this ain't the down to the jailhouse. This is federal prison. Isn't that where Lori, uh, Aunt Becky went? 
I can't remember. I can't remember. The indictment named uh, Michael Hill, the co-leader of the scheme, and uh, as the person who recruited St. John. So I wonder what, you know, in in desperate times, Ryan, I know that people were doing a lot of talking. No one knocked on my door, though. But I know that the pandemic provided some desperate times and people were really scared. It seemed like there was no end in sight. But why participate in something like this? I I always say, what don't come out in the wash gonna come out in the rinse. And it's different if you, like, did it for like maybe like an extra thousand dollars but the fact that you got really greedy and did 3.5 million dollars what are you thinking amongst 16 people quickly what's 3.5 million divided by 16 well, I don't know. I, that's your but tea that's report. That's the tea report for this this hour, y'all. Uh, that's the Red Ranger. Uh huh. Okay, so that's your tea report. Uh, if you want to check out any of the the stories that we have covered, including headlines and all the good stuff, head over to WeAreChannelQ.com. And of course, guess what? We are talking Char says so, um, where we're talking all about Kendrick Lamar and the Auntie Diaries and why it made queer Should and trans called folks Uncle Diaries. <laughs> It should. I mean, it should. It actually should. And why it made us feel so uncomfortable. That is up next. Get into it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 